Grace and peace to you this morning. I want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're here today. If you have a Bible, you might be opening it to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. So, received some good news this morning. We have people placing membership. We have a new burst to expect. And so, uh, congregation is growing. That's wonderful. God is good. I uh, want to welcome Norman and Omega. And again, um, encourage you to, to meet them in the back after services. Of course, many of you already know them. They've been visiting for years, and so we're glad that they've uh, placed membership with us. I also want to encourage you to be a part of uh, Trunk or Treat in about a week and a half. Uh, you know, such a great and wonderful time when we uh, welcome our community, but also just uh, enjoy our children. You know, I have so many wonderful photos throughout the years of, you know, my children interacting with uh, Bobby in a pirate costume or Jake dressed up as a cowboy or, you know, it's just a, it's just a joyous time and, and we need to celebrate our children. We need to celebrate all of our members, but I encourage you to be a part of that. And if you need some ideas as to what to do, um, see Laura. She's got some great ideas about that. So we're in Isaiah 6 this morning, and I want to begin reading in verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings. And with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Isaiah 6 is one of those great chapters in the Bible. And it describes this magnificent encounter with the prophet Isaiah and with God. And the prophet sees God sitting on his throne. And in the throne room, there are these angelic beings, and they're crying out. And this causes Isaiah to be overcome with emotion. And he begins to see clearly, and, and, and he realizes his position in the world. And this vision is so spectacular that, that sometimes we want to rush to get to it. And in doing so, we miss the context of the chapter. And so it's important that we don't miss out on how the chapter begins there in verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Now you might be wondering, well, who is this king? Who is King Isaiah? Because his name is just dropped here and we're not told anything about him. 
We don't know who he was. We don't know what he did. But he must be important because why else would Isaiah mention him in the text? It's part of the narrative. It's part of the story. Well, the people in Isaiah's day, they would have known exactly who he was talking about. Uh, They would have remembered the day because you remember the day that a king dies. And we're also given more information in other books of the Bible, books like Chronicles. And we know from those accounts that he started out as a good king. And we know that Israel thrived under his leadership. And that he reigned for many years. And that the people were blessed throughout his reign. And we're also told this interesting bit of information about King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles 26 and verse 16. But when he was strong... He grew proud to his destruction. And so his wealth and his success led him to think that he did not need God. And he became puffed up, and apparently the people of Israel followed his leadership. They went down the same path that he went down. They became less reliant on God because all of their needs were taken care of. And this is the context of Isaiah chapter 6. Under King Isaiah, there was political stability. There was economic blessing. But now he's gone. And what's going to happen next? Well, Isaiah the prophet receives a vision. And he sees God sitting on his throne. Now, the people are worried about their bank accounts. They're worried about who will become the next king and and what's going to happen to the nation. And, And while they're doing all this worrying, Isaiah sees God on his throne. And the people have forgotten who is truly in charge. There's nothing to worry about because the rightful king is still reigning. He always has been and he always will be. And so Isaiah has this encounter with God. And this is a life-changing experience. It changes his perspective. It causes to see himself and it causes him to see the world differently. His eyes are opened. And he sees things as they truly are. He comprehends reality, not just some false sense of it. And this all occurs because of Isaiah being in the presence of God. He says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe, it filled the entire temple. And above him stood the seraphim, these angelic beings, and each of them had six wings, and two they covered their face, and two they covered their feet, and with two they flew, and they cried out to one another, Holy, holy, holy! Just as we sung a few moments ago. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The presence of God is everywhere. People just aren't looking for it. They're not seeing it. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. You might recognize this image 
from the movie The Sixth Sense. And the most famous line from that movie is when Haley Joel Osment here says to Bruce Willis, I see dead people. And, and you know, this line's been repeated millions of times. It's been parodied. It's been turned into a meme. Um, even if you haven't seen the movie, you've likely heard the line. And so you know what I'm talking about. But what I find even more interesting is what Haley Joel Osment says next. And so he says, I see dead people. And then he says, walking around like regular people. They don't see each other. They only see what they want to see. They don't know they're dead. And I want to suggest that that's what's going on in Isaiah's day. Later in the chapter, God will tell Isaiah that he is sending him out to preach, but the people who he is preaching to, they're not going to listen and they're not going to understand. They are walking dead people and they don't even know it. They only see what they want to see. And Isaiah is to say to the people, keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. We have this great chapter in Isaiah 6 and these are the words that are most often quoted in the New Testament. These verses are quoted by Jesus. And the problem in Isaiah's day was the same problem in Jesus' day, and it's still a problem today. People hear what they want to hear. They see what they want to see. They only seek to understand what they want to understand. And people are blind, and they are deaf to what is going on. They're walking dead people. And, and this isn't limited to the people of the world. Because Isaiah preached to the people of God. And Jesus was rejected by his own people. And sometimes the church can be just as blind as the world. And so how do we wake up to what is going on? How do we begin to see clearly? How do we hear what we need to hear. Isaiah's eyes were opened when he became aware of the presence of God. And so after Isaiah encounters God, he begins to see himself and he begins to see the world differently. He could no longer pretend as if everything was just okay. What is wrong with the world? You know, there's lots of ways to answer that question. Um, some of those answers are helpful, some of them are not. And it seems like everyone has an opinion about it. Everyone wants to give their two cents about what is wrong with the world. But as I look at the world, what I see lacking is an awareness of the presence of God. And if we were more aware of God's presence, I believe we wouldn't be in such a mess that we are today. And if we were more aware of God's presence, 
then we would see ourselves as we truly are. We might not be as concerned with our neighbor's sin and concentrate more on our own. As Isaiah stands before God, he finally sees as he needs to see, and he utters these words. He says, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We have no reason to believe that Isaiah was some great sinner. In fact, he had to have some admirable qualities for God to even choose him. But those admirable qualities, whatever they were, matter little when you're in the presence of God. You know, we can tend to think pretty highly of ourselves. It's pretty easy to do. We think the good deed or two we did last week was much better than what everyone else did. And we think because, you know, we gave one hour to God on Sunday morning, we're doing more than most And we think we're good because we're not out doing bad. But standing in the presence of God puts everything in perspective. And all we can say is, woe is me. Standing in God's presence humbles us. In the presence of God, we cannot be puffed up. We cannot be prideful or arrogant. We cannot think that we're better than anyone else. We cannot deceive ourselves regarding our own standing before God. We're nothing more than humble servants, and this is all we are. But this is not the end of the story. And so as Isaiah is standing before God, and he's overwhelmed with these feelings of guilt and inadequacy, This happens. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And so God shows Isaiah grace He offers him forgiveness. An angelic being touches Isaiah's mouth with a holy object, and Isaiah's guilt is taken away. His sins are gone. And this is what God does for his servant. When we humble ourselves before God, God responds. He hears our prayers. He listens to our hearts. He knows the challenges that we face. God understands our inadequacies. Now, we can pretend like they're not there and try to deal with them on our own. Or we can take those shortcomings and those failings and and all that mess and we can confess them before God and we can lean on him for help in our time of need. Isaiah chooses God. And because of this, God blesses him. He gives him what he needs for the ministry that he has called him to. Now, the book of Isaiah is always pointing us forward to what is to come. 
And so Isaiah experiences the grace of God here. But one day, the grace of God is going to be made available to all. And so the the book of Isaiah is always anticipating the Messiah who is to come to take away the sins of the world. The Son of God, born of a virgin, will go to a cross for all of us so that we all might enjoy the blessing of forgiveness. And those of us who have chosen to follow God and to put on Christ in baptism, we know this blessing. We have been forgiven. Our sins have been washed away. But it's important that we do not take that for granted. And we must never forget the sacrifice that made it all possible. And so as the people of God, we must regularly stand in the presence of God. And we must let God's presence form us and shape us just as Isaiah did. And it must shape how we look at ourselves and how we look at the world. And so God's presence should humble us. It should prepare us to go out into the world and to bless others. Everything we do as Christians should be done in light of the presence of God. We should always be aware of God's holiness and how our own holiness or righteousness pales in comparison to God. The words of Isaiah should never be far from our mouths. Woe is me. I am a a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. At the same time, we must also understand that God has extended grace to all of us. We have been forgiven. We have been blessed. And God has been better to us than we deserve. God's holiness and God's grace should cause us to see the world in a different light. We should not take anything for granted, but be grateful for every minute and every second of every day. We serve a loving God who seeks to transform us. God's holiness reminds us that that we need to be saved. Our lives are not what they ought to be. God's grace reminds us that God is good and that He has saved us in spite of our shortcomings. We need both. We need to be aware of God's holiness and His grace. We need to, to know that we have been saved by the grace of God and that we are being transformed into the image of His Holy Son. And this is something that we cannot do on our own. It is the work of a holy God who loves us and who has shown us grace and mercy. And so Isaiah chapter 6 is calling us to wake up. Wake up from our sleepiness. Wake up from our phones. Wake up from being entertained all the time. Wake up from the the noise of the political arena. Wake up from whatever it is that is dulling your senses. And it invites us to stand in the presence of God so that we can hear what we need to hear and that we can see what we need to see. And so I invite you to let God's holiness take hold of you and to change your life. Humble yourself before a holy God 
and receive the grace that he offers. Let's pray. Holy, holy, holy God, we come before you knowing that we are inadequate, knowing that we are sinful creatures, and we rely solely on your grace and mercy. Father, we, would, we pray that we be transformed by your holiness, that we see the world as we ought to see it, and that we see our lives as we ought to see them. And Father, we pray that we would seek to be a light in this world, that, that we would um, work to be transformed into the image of your Son, and that we would be examples of Jesus as we go out and seek to bless others the way that you have blessed us by extending grace to us. And Father, we understand that we live in an unjust world and sometimes we are not treated as we should be treated or things do not go the way that they ought to go. But we also remember that you have not treated us as you ought to treat us. And so we are to be examples of grace just as you have shown us grace. And we're so thankful for your Son who makes all this possible. We pray this in his name. Amen.